Thank you for selecting this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center's Media Ministry. Sit back and relax and prepare to hear God's Word. And now here's today's speaker. We get aligned with Him. Amen. We don't ask God to come and bless this. We go and see what He is blessing. We become a part of that. Are you with me? Hallelujah. You want to see a miracle. You want to see deliverances. Well, then let me tell you, we have entered that season. We have entered that season. For the past few months, the Lord has had us in a message and a series entitled Paycheck. Today is a divine shifting. He has shifted us on now. We've gone on. He's taken us to another pasture. Remember, uh, a shepherd is responsible for leading his sheep from pasture to pasture, grazing area to grazing area. And if we are faithful as good sheep and we eat everything that's over here and over there, then we'll grow and develop to be mature, well-formed. Are you with me? Hallelujah. But the problem comes in when we don't eat everything that he set before us over here and we get over there and we develop some sort of sickness. Are you with me? One stage is built upon the next. One level is built upon the next. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll encounter problems when we try to jump rungs on a ladder. We try to jump staircases. I mean, you with me? We jump steps. Go one upon the other, one upon the other. The new, the new series the Lord has us in now, and I pray you hear this word prophetically, is entitled, Catch a Miracle. Catch a Miracle. Catch a Miracle. Hear this today. Now, the Lord spoke to me just moments ago while I was in my office. And he told me to give you a word. And that's the very first thing that I'm going to do today. A lot of us are in debt. A lot of us are having financial problems. A lot of us want more. We want more, more more monies to do different things in life. He told me to tell you that you won't come out of your financial condition by saving. You won't come out of your financial condition by making wise investments or by the wisdom of men. You will come out by miracle. You will come out by the finger of God. I've done what you asked. I'm sorry I didn't sensationalize it for you. I don't have the big microphone up here. and I'm sorry, I have nothing against that. I like a little excited preaching too. Praise the Lord. I'm responsible not to sensationalize or to entertain, but to inform you of what thus saith the Lord. And what the Lord is telling me to tell you today, that you will not be coming out of your financial condition by saving or by making wise investments or by the wisdom of men. You will come out by miracle. You will come out by the hand of God, by the finger of God. You will see the Lord move tremendously in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is how this will come to pass. I told you in this coming revival, what the Lord has spoken to us, this coming revival will be marked by three things. We're marked by three things. One, the great harvest of souls. People will be saved radically, radically, radically. Two, this coming revival will be marked by signs and wonders. Miracles breaking forth. 
Uh, what you saw in the video a moment ago of what took place here Friday morning was only a very small part, just a drop in the bucket, a bucket, just a foreshadowing of what God is about to do. Thirdly, he is also going to pour out finances upon his body. I'm telling you in a great way. The Bible declares in the book of Proverbs in two places that the wealth is laid up. The wealth of the sinner, the wealth of the unrighteous, the the wealth of the ungodly is laid up for the just, is laid up for the just. And we told you that the just are those who are good stewards over the finances that they currently have. God, now understand that those finances are laid up. They are held in store. It's like a big piñata, if you will. And I'm telling you that God's about to strike the piñata. Boom! And it's about to fall in the name of Jesus. He's about to strike a financial system. Boom! And while many others will be in distress, the body will feel the candy, will feel the wealth flowing on them. He's about to strike it. You hear the outcries of fear on the news. What is bad for them, understand it is good for you because it is the power of God that is being revealed to his people in an effort to win the lost for the Lord Jesus Christ. His return is soon and it is crucial that we be ready and we be prepared. This revival that is coming upon the earth now marked by three things. Number one, the great harvest of souls. People will give their lives to Jesus. In other words, he will, in order to do that, he will strike a revival in the body. Strike a revival in the body. He's going to strike a match and it's going to burn. It's going to burn. And he's going to do it by a great move of his spirit within the body. Great signs, wonders, and miracles. You're going to see a lot of what's called prophetic evangelism. Prophetic evangelism. That means that God will give you a word for somebody. You could be at the mall. You could be at J.C. Penney's. You could be at Walmart. And you'll receive a word from God. God will tell you, tell this person this, that, and the other. And they'll look at you like you're crazy. How'd you know that? They'll ask you, are you some sort of psychic or something? You say, no, but I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus Christ wants you to know. And on the spot, they give their lives to him. Hallelujah. Prophetic evangelism. You'll see saints of God laying hands on people in the parking lot and people fall out on the falling out by the power of the holy spirit right there in the walmart parking lot and people say oh what's going to they faint no they fell out on the power of the holy spirit you will see great signs and wonders done by the holy spirit of god through his body through the body of christ last manifestation will be a great outpouring of financial blessings upon the body of christ Yes, you're in debt. But listen, it won't be by your hand that you come out of it. If you adhere to what the Holy Spirit is saying. God's not going to have it said. Uh, Abraham said it very well there. He said, I won't have anybody to say that, uh, that you made me rich, that the king of Sodom made me rich. No, no, no. It won't be by the hands of man, but it will be by the hand of God. As we follow what he says. So don't hold yourself back. We stopped there last week. Don't hold yourself back because it's a new day and you can disqualify yourself by thinking in an old way. Saving is great. Everybody should save. Investing is great. Everybody should invest. 
But if you want the great harvest that God has planned for you, if you want to receive from that piñata of the world system, then you're going to have to do it God's way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to catch a miracle. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's time to catch a miracle. I heard when I watched the movie, Sister Gwen, Brother Ron, let me see a movie on, on that movie. It's called The Hurricane. It was a pretty good movie, a true story. And on that movie, they had uh, one song, and it kept playing in my head, kept playing in my head. It only lasted a couple minutes, but it kept saying, the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no cameras. There will be no radio. It will not be televised. This thing that God will do will sweep quickly. He will sweep quickly. It's going to blow in quickly, and it's going to turn this world upside down. Before the coming of Jesus Christ, before the Lord comes again and raptures his church, there's going to be that end-time revival. Hear me. Whether revival lasts for two days or 20 years, I could care less. All I know is that I'm going to be a part of it, and I pray to God that you are a part of it too. Get yourselves in position and properly aligned with the Holy Spirit. We don't have time for playing games nor playing church. Let's get in place. Let's get an order. Let's get an order. Let's get an order. Let's get in divine order. And we're going to see the power of God flow among his people. Go to the book of Mark, the sixth chapter. The book of Mark, the sixth chapter. Time for playing games is over. We've got a job to do. We've got a job to do. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, we've got a job to do. We've got to get ourselves into position. We should be finished with low giving and, and sight walking. We were called to walk by faith and not by sight. We're tame in our giving. We're, we're become average. We've become normal. We've become usual. I'm tired of usual services. I'm tired of average services. I want to see the power of God demonstrated. Hallelujah. It's time. It's time. This is the season and this is the hour that the kingdom of God shall manifest and the world would take notice that the gospel of Jesus Christ still has power to save, heal, and deliver today. We have reached that time. You see, all the conditions could be right, but if it's not time, it's not going to happen. All the conditions could be right, but if it's not time, it's not going to happen. But when all the conditions are right and it's time, it's going to break forth. And we've reached the joining point. We've reached, we've reached the apex. We've reached the, reached the corner when the timing and the materials are all in place. And now it's about to break forth on the body of Christ. I am not the only one that you will hear this from. Because the Holy Spirit has other preachers, he has other ministers that will be breaking it forth upon the body. And you will hear it echoing and resounding all throughout the world. People begin to see and hear these things in dreams and in prayer. The Holy Spirit begin to manifest himself to his body. I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now. It's about to happen. It's about to break forth. You're in the season. You're in the season catch a miracle. Mark the sixth chapter, and we'll just be looking at a few things here. Mark the sixth chapter. 
I pray you're ready for this. Mark the sixth chapter, verse number one. And it says, and he went out from thence and came into his own country and his disciples follow him. Very familiar scripture. Verse two says, and when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, from whence have this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Verse 3, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and of Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. Verse 5, And he could there do no mighty work. And he could there do no mighty work. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk, and healed them. And he marveled because of their what? Unbelief. Unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Here was the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there are several layers here, several layers. We're just going to follow what the Lord is saying today. Here's the Lord Jesus, the great power of God. Unlimited resources. There were people there in his own hometown that were in need, that needed help. The power of God was there. They saw the power of God, but they did not receive because of their unbelief. They became too familiar with Jesus. They knew him, but they didn't know him. And many today in our churches, among the body of Christ, know him, but they don't know him. Most people around this time of year know Jesus as the baby in the manger. And he will forever be for them a baby still in the manger. Most people know Jesus as the man who they hung on the cross, on a crucifix. And he will, for them, for, will be forever hanging on the cross. But Jesus grew up from being a baby. He lived, he died on the cross, but he's alive forevermore. He was resurrected the third day. Yeah. Hallelujah. And he rose with all power in his hands. Yeah. We're speaking from a subject, subject today of catch a miracle. Why do we say catch a miracle? Because you can be in the place with Jesus, in the place with the power. But if you don't plug into it, you won't receive it. You'll receive drops. He was only able to heal a few sick folk. They were not able to receive the full manifestation of what they were meant to have. When God comes in your presence, he's coming to give you something. He's coming to do something. When he manifests himself in front of you, you better take it all. Receive it all. It does not matter if there's a lamp right here, a lamp. 
And if I had the plug, and if it was here, but the outlet was over there, it doesn't matter how close the lamp is to the outlet, it's still not going to work unless it's plugged in. And it's time to get plugged in. It's time to get plugged in. Hallelujah. It's time to sell out. It's time to sell out for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not sure I'm talking to you today, but it's time to sell out. Listen to what that verse says out of the Amplified Bible, verse number five. And he was not able to do one, rather, he was not able to do even one work of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sickly people and cured them. Amplified Bible says he was not able to do. Now we know God can do all things, right? But he has bound himself by his own laws. There must be a, there must be faith. There must be faith. Someone must be there in expectation. You see, the people here weren't expecting anything from Jesus. They only saw him as the carpenter's son. Isn't he the carpenter? They had him in a box. They already said they knew him. They already knew what he was about. He wasn't supposed to have all that power in their sight. He wasn't supposed to have all that wisdom because after all, his father, as they thought, Joseph... His father was a carpenter, so Jesus must be a carpenter. He was not like John the Baptist, whose father was a high priest. So they thought, well, John followed that same lineage. Well, he should be a high priest. He should be a man of God. But Jesus didn't travel that way. Are you you with me? They looked at his earthly nature, but they didn't perceive his heavenly nature. Hallelujah. Are you with me? And I'm telling you today, here comes here comes a very terrible a very terrible thought. Hey, please, please hear me. Let me come real close. Let me, let me come real close. Let me come real close. Because some of you are listening and you need to hear this. You can actually be in the place where God is and not know it. Jacob was there in Bethel, I believe. He laid on a pillow there all night long. He took a rock and put his head down on it. And he said he didn't know that this was the house of God. He didn't know that God was in that place. He didn't know it. God can be standing right in front of you and you don't even know it. The Bible talks about there being angels unaware. An angel standing right in your presence to do a work of God and you not even know it. How is that possible? How is it possible? Because we do not dwell in constant expectation. Faith is expectation. You expect God to move, and he moves. But why don't we expect God to move anymore? We don't expect because we're afraid of being disappointed, we say. We're afraid of being ashamed, we say. We're afraid of being let down. Maybe God won't do what he said. That's called being or dwelling in unbelief. Unbelief is when you refuse to believe based on all the evidence. You still refuse to believe. The Bible declares that the people of God, Israel, uh, didn't go into the promised land because of their unbelief. They saw all the miracles of God. They saw the Red Sea parting. They saw the plagues and all this stuff. They saw Pharaoh's army drown, but yet and still, they still refused to believe. They had heard the word of God preached, but yet and still, they refused to believe. 
Just like today in today's modern day church, one thing that we refuse to believe a lot of people is a system of tithing and offering. I hear it every week, but I still refuse to believe. That is called unbelief. And that will keep you out of the full manifestations of the blessings of God. You hear the evidence, but still you do not move on what you hear. The Bible also declares that to be uh, self-deception. You deceive yourself when you hear the word, but don't do it. It says in the book of James, but be ye hearers of the word. Uh, be ye doers of the word, not just hearers only, deceiving your own self. That means we can actually be sitting up in a church week after week, hear the word of God week after week. We can hear it and still not do it. But yet still we still expect a manifestation of power. God said, you're deceiving yourself. Hear me. And so it says in, in, in Mark again, the very first chapter, very first verse, rather, of Mark 6 chapter. It says, and he went out from thence. To really set this up, and I'm going to be very brief today because I feel it in my heart. The Bible says he came from thence. Look at that again. And he went out from thence. He went out from thence. Jesus was coming from someplace, having done something. But wherever he came from, we'll look at that in a second. He came to this place, still having the same amount of miracle working power, still doing, still able to do the same things, but because they saw him as small they saw him as normal they saw him as usual even though they had heard about the things that he had done they had heard in his hometown they had heard that he was a miracle worker they had heard now they had heard his wisdom as he was teaching in the synagogue and they were offended at him they were offended at him Here's Jesus coming back home and he has his disciples with him, has the 12 men with him. He's coming in. Oh, he's Mr. Big Stuff. And they got offended in him. Who is this man? Don't we know his mother? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? Who is this man? How does he have all of this? And they were offended at him. And they were not able to unlock the power of God that was in him because of their unbelief and because they were offended in him. Now, God give you a miracle through anybody. Through anybody. Don't have to come through a pastor, through a bishop. You come through a three-year-old. Hallelujah. Let him lay hands on me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Send a word through a donkey. Hey, let him speak. Amen. Don't get offended at the source. Amen. At the vehicle, rather. God is the source. Are you with me? All right. It says, let's go to chapter five. He was coming from somewhere. Where was he coming from? Well, there are two miracles of faith that happened here in chapter five. Two miracles of faith. Let me get the sound ministry. Please turn this down just a little bit. Getting some feedback. There are two miracles of faith that took place here. Two miracles in chapter five that dealt with faith. One was a woman here that had an issue of blood. And she said within herself that if I may just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. What happened? She went through the press, touched him of his garment. And what happened? She was made whole. The Lord said, daughter, don't you fear? Your faith has made you whole. She was miraculously healed. 
The Lord Jesus left her and the people were electrified as they heard what happened. He left her. Another man came to him by the name of Jairus. Jairus had a daughter that was deathly ill, coming and beseeching the Lord Jesus Christ, please come and heal my daughter, please come and heal my child. Jesus said, yes, I'll come. As they were going, another man came up to him and said, hey, leave the Lord alone. Trouble not the master, your daughter is dead. In other words, there is nothing that this Jesus can do for you now. Death is the supreme authority. And Jesus, even Jesus, doesn't have power over that. So leave Jesus alone. She's dead. No hope. Jesus turned to him and said this statement. Look at verse number 36 of chapter 5. It says, verse 36 says, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto him, rather he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only one. Only believe. Don't allow fear to grip your heart. Just believe what I'm telling you. Just believe my power. Just believe my word. Don't pay attention to what you see or what you hear. Just believe me. And I'm telling you what the Lord is saying now. Because there'll be a lot of things that you will see and hear. But God says, tune it out. Just believe what I am saying to you. We walk by faith and not by sight. Your checking account would say one thing, but God will say, don't fear, only believe. Many problems will happen at home and at, the, and at, at work and, at, and in business, but he says to us the same thing. Don't fear, just believe. Believe, believe, believe in what he said. It is impossible to have belief or faith in God without having a word. You must have a word from the Lord to stand on. You cannot have faith without having a word. What has God said about this thing? If it regards healing to the body, you cannot have faith for healing, truly have faith for healing, unless you know what he said. Because when all else fails, all you're still holding on to is the word of God. He said this to me, and I know this is true, and I know that he shall surely deliver me. Why? Because he said so. And I know that he's a God of his word. I know that he cannot lie. So he said it, I believe it, and that settles it. I don't care what the x-ray says. I don't care what the blood what the blood report says. I don't care what my financial counselor says, the advisors say. I know that he has delivered me. I know that he has healed me. I know that he has set me free because he has said it, and I have confidence and faith in his word. You'll have to hold on to his word for dear life. Only then will you have the results that you're looking for. And so he told him, if you can believe, if you do this, don't fear, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. In verse 39, let's look at verse 39. So they began to go. Verse 39 says, and when he was come in, he said unto them, why make this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. The Lord Jesus comes and he releases a great word of faith to change the atmosphere. 
He released faith that would change the atmosphere. They were there crying. They were sad. They were depressed over the loss of this little girl. But Jesus steps in the room and he creates an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere shift or there is a possibility of an atmosphere shift. One from doubt or sadness and to high faith and praise. Here's God saying she's not dead, but she sleeps. He released an opportunity. He released an opportunity. But not many of them catch hold to it. They didn't. Matter of fact, none of them caught a hold to it. They didn't catch the miracle. So Jesus put them out after they laughed and were scorned, the Bible says. They, he had to put them all out. Took a few of his disciples and the, the mother and father of the child and took them up to the room. And he looked at the girl and said, Talitha Kumi, which means Daughter, arise. Get up from there. Get up from there. Get up from there. And she arose. Hallelujah. And I'm sure the crowd was electrified when they saw the girl that they thought was dead. That was dead, in fact. Now get up and walk out the room. So he leads from two very powerful miracles that has to do with faith. That has to do with faith. Obviously, the father of the daughter, Jairus, kept his faith. And did not allow what he just heard to influence him. But he still believed in Jesus. And so the Lord Jesus, now they go, he and his disciples go into his own hometown. Because they left from there going into chapter 6 now. And they're on a high, hallelujah. Great miracles, signs and wonders follow the ministry of Jesus Christ no matter where he goes. So he gets in the town, he enters into the church, hallelujah. And he opens up the word, begins to teach. After that, miracles, signs and wonders normally break out. But here there was a short circuit. The same miracle worker was there. But they did not plug in and receive because of their unbelief unbelief they didn't expect very much from him they did not expect very much from him and today what what do we do we give in an offering don't expect anything how many of us give with expectation how many of us come to church with expectation When you come up to the altar to be prayed for, when we anoint you with oil, how many of us come up with expectation? I'm coming up hurting, but I'm going back healed. How many of us come up with expectation? Do we expect God to move? Expect him to move. When I render my tithe, I expect the devourer to be rebuked. I expect that the Lord is going to open up the winds of heaven and pour me out a blessing that I shall not have room enough to receive. When I give, I expect men to give unto me. I expect it. I walk in expectation. And what happens? As I walk in expectation, it happens. Men give unto my bosom. I've received hundreds, even this week, hundreds of dollars in my hand. Hallelujah. I've received $1,000 in my hand. Hallelujah. I walk in expectation and it happens. Is it because I'm a preacher? No. It's because I give and I walk in expectation. And I receive and I receive. And the same thing can be true for you as you walk in expectation. Expect the next time you're on your knees and pray. Expect the same manifestation of God. Expect him to speak to you in an audible voice. Expect him, if he has you to, write on the walls. Expect it. See, we're in a season of miracles. 
but do we expect the move of God? Expect the move of God. Faith is marked by two things. True faith is marked by two things. Hear me. True faith is marked by two things. One, confession, and the other is action. You believe, and as you believe, you're going to begin to speak what you believe. And secondly, you begin to act out on what you believe. If you say you have faith, but you have not confession and you have not action, you don't have faith. The Bible declares clearly that faith without works is dead and it will always be dead. You say, I believe in God. Great. But even the demons believe and they tremble. There's more to it than just believing. Your faith must must have a voice and it must have action. You believe that he's going to do it? Then good. Then you must act out on what you believe. As we told you before, as we told you before, as you're entering this, as you're in this financial season, as you're in this financial season, God's going to bring you out of debt supernaturally, not naturally. He's going to bring you out supernaturally. That means there's going to be some things that he's going to do for you that is going to come right out of left field. You're not going to expect it. Rather, you're not going to expect it to come from that way, but you are expecting God to do something. He's going to bring deliverance in. In the book of 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter, as, as five, five armies or five kings were coming against the people of God, the, they, they declared that they didn't know what to do, but their eyes were on the Lord. They, were, they had no military might to fight that enemy. They didn't have the wisdom. They didn't have the strength. But all they could do was fast and pray and look to the Lord. And the Lord brought a word back to them and said, you will have no need to fight in this battle, for the battle is mine. The battle belongs to the Lord. Well, what happens in that case? We understand that as they went, as they, as the armies of Israel went out, the king stopped the people and said, Hey, hear me, hear me, people of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. He said, Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophet, so shall you prosper. Why did he say that? Because he just received the word that they would not need to fight. So he said, Believe in the prophet and you're going to prosper. And so he called up the singers to come in front of the army and the singers began to sing. And as they began to do that, God showed up and God showed out. And those enemy armies began to turn on themselves and they died that day at that place. But what they didn't know is that the enemy, that the, the, that the enemy's army, every soldier came in with some sort of jewels or gold or something on their bodies. And what was coming up, and it took them three days to get all the spoil in from the enemy into that house. Why had God allowed this to happen? I'm sure they said. Why is all this happening to me? Why is God allowing these kings to come to me? Why is he allowing us to feel threatened and and afraid? Doesn't God know we don't have the military might? Doesn't God know that we don't have the credit? Doesn't God know that we don't have the skill? Doesn't he know? Doesn't he know? Why is he allowing this to happen unto me? Because he's trying to promote you. He's trying to get wealth to you. Because at the end of the battle, they were all pretty rich. It was well worth their time and trouble. What are we saying to you today? Don't expect God to move in usual ways. Don't expect to come out of this thing in normal ways. Give unto the Lord. In your time, in your monies, in your talent, in prayer, pour out to him. 
and you're going to see him pour great things out to you. Now is the season to pour all, to give all. Now is the season to pour all, to give all. Now is the time, now is the season to pour all, to give all. Now is the season for great miracles. You need to raise your hand and catch a miracle. You need to raise your hand and catch a miracle. When you come into this house, expect a miracle. When you get up tomorrow morning and put your feet on the floor, expect a miracle. When you go to work, expect a miracle. God will be moving in unusual ways among his people. Unusual ways. Hear me as I prophesy this to you today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I can tell you now that God will be moving in unusual ways in and among his people. And so that the unbelievers can say and testify that must have been God. Pray for the word of God today. We're done. Friends, I know you have been truly blessed by this presentation brought to you by the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center Media Ministry. Remember, if you are looking for a church home, we would be glad to have you each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center is located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. For more information, give us a call at 770-537-1933 or visit us on the web at www.kingdomrock.org.